it's a major pleasure for for us for me to connect with you face to face. I don't think we've ever met in person, but we've definitely like corresponded here and there over the years, and um, right. even more so. We have a whole, not just like, you know, set of mutual friends, but like a whole world, whole family, whole community. Um, and, you know, I feel like in many ways, I, I already know you very well from, from your work <laughs> and, and just your whole, you know, your persona that I've, that I've borne witness um, most so recently. So what is that persona? I'm curious. I often think because I, there's so many different ways that I communicate with the Twin Peaks world because mm-hmm. like, um, you know, I did the Red Room podcast and I was really never funny on there. I, we took it pretty seriously. And then when I go on Twin Peaks Unwrapped, Ben and Brian's podcast, I act like just a jackass. <laughs> you know, I couldn't be more of a Don Rickles in oh, that funny. sense. And then, you know, you've got the Blue Rose, which is more of a writing side of it. And I actually have no idea what persona gets out to the world. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, for me, um, I, I guess I first, like, heard of you through, my, my first exposure would have been through, through John Thorne. Um, when I met him in 2017, right? Yeah, it would have been middle, it would have been, oh my God, it would have been, you know, three years ago. Right uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, right now, May 2017. Um, and I asked him, you know, what's gonna, what's, what's it gonna be? And, uh, and he said, actually, you know, I mean, you've, you've told this story many times, but like, he couldn't do it without Craig and someone he was, he was sort of passing the mantle along to someone else. And, and that was when I um, started reading everything that you were doing. But I did not until more, you know, maybe this year, um, through social media and stuff like that, through the other stuff that wasn't like during the Twin Peaks run, it was all, it was all serious. It was all critical. It was all yeah. focused on like, I didn't, I didn't see this. You're, you're funny. You have a whole <laughs> character. <laughs> uh, I mean, the, the, uh, the podcast, I sorry, sorry, the Harold Smith stay in playing, you were full right. on. Yes. <laughs> you go, you know, full on a, in the Twin Peaks context. Um, but yeah, like when I would listen to the Red Room uh, podcast during the run and, and after, it never occurred to me. I had no, um, you know, you were just one of the people, one of the heads, right. one of the, one of the, the, the people who was crazy. That, wasn't that the greatest summer of, oh of your life? Oh my, of, uh, I, I love how you said it. I didn't like, cause I say it all the time and very few people, there's, you know, a few of us who recognize right. not just like, Oh, this was awesome. Of it changed, you know, cliches, cliches, cliches. No, no, no. My whole life changed like right. this podcast actually. So you know what? Okay. I can give this context now for the first time. This is now I, I this'll be like, I don't know, episode six or something like that. And I haven't given this narrative, but I, and I'll do it. Um, I'll keep it as like relevant to, to the universe as possible, but I left, I'm trying to think. Okay. So May, 2017, I left my job at, I was living in Los Angeles, working at Apple and I left 
like six months before that, something like that, or, or maybe it was a year before that. I, I forget, but I launched a clothing line. I spent six months working on a clothing line building up to April and it was right before this happened right before twin peaks came out like a month or two. And my whole, just like, it wasn't just twin peaks, a million things happened. And I, I've been a twin peaks fan since I'm a child. I, I think I first saw it when I was like 10 and mm -hmm. have been really, really into it. Like every I've watched it. I, I watch it every year. I've watched it. I don't know, 50 times, you know, mm -hmm. but it hadn't been the universe wasn't alive in the same way. I was too young to engage with the wrapped in plastic community and right. stuff like that. Um, I was just a fan of the show. And so it wasn't until 2016, 2017 that like all of a sudden all these other people became available to me. And in my life, just the way that the timing happened, like I launched this thing. It was the first thing that I did after my job. And I had this, moment where so what 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 literally happened was I was gonna go I launched because this editor liked what I was doing and then I was gonna go into stores because this buyer liked what I was doing wow, and great. she closed her store right then it, it was basically that was like my litmus test was like I'm ready when this guy says I'm ready like when, when this guy will write an article about me I'll launch when this woman will put me in her stores, I'll go into stores. I, I don't want to go into stores until she wants me in stores because that's like my litmus test. And I got that weeks before this. And then days later, she announced that she was closing. So I put a pause on the whole thing because I was like, hmm, I, like, like I don't know what to do next. And then this came. I mean, it was weeks. And... I, I think I got, I got sick at the same time and I met a girl and my niece was born all within this month of May. Uh, and my grandfather got really sick. It was all at the same time. And Twin Peaks was happening. I had been blessed by having relationships, having friends. Uh, the head of Showtime was my first girlfriend, like from sixth grade her dad is the head of Showtime and had said forever, if they ever do this, they'll invite me. <laughs> that was it. Like, so that's how I got the invite. Um, and, um, which is gracias. Um, and so with like my life in this really weird position, this happened and I, and then Clifton's cafeteria and the ACE theater and like, when I saw, when I had this night, it was basically like, let me just let this happen. Like, this is going to be four months and I just want to take all of it. I want to receive all of it. What I saw, like I, standing outside the theater and talking to people all night, like it was so invigorating. I mean, that night was, I, I've said is like the best night of my life. The, the premiere night was incredible meeting everyone not just not just the actors but but people like yourself like people that i could speak fluently you know you could speak the language you could just reference episode numbers and scenes right and like to normal to normal people like you have to like give a whole lead and blah blah, blah. but i could just like say it like when when we were talking with 
whatever. I, I won't go to muchas gracias. Adios. Um, like the activity, the family, the community. There's nothing like it. It was it was such a wonderful period, and, and I just I traveled. I I went to Snoqualmie. Like I I went to the Reaper House. Like I did everything, and I just I just let it take over my whole. I hosted screenings in L.A. on Sunday nights at CineFamily. I would let like starting at like eleven o'clock they would close, and then they'd let me take over and just invite people. And there's nothing like the Twin Peaks family, and. No. You know, so have, having you on here, like, like I'm so happy that that's, that's how you framed it as like, was that not the best time of, of your life? Like, yes, <laughs> it was the, it, it made me reframe everything that I'm doing. So like at that time in my life, just to, to, to put a, a bow on it, like I, I had this big media job and it was like original content and, and, and the, the world, you know, Los Angeles and like, I was like, no, fuck that. I, I just, you know, I, no more. I, I don't want to go to Snapchat. I don't want to go to Spotify. I don't want to do, I, I want to do art. I want to create things that make me, I thought about this girl that I knew in when we were 12 and what happened to her and how she became my, something happened to her and she became my best friend. And I thought about why. I realized it was because I had in the back of my mind, Laura Palmer, and I didn't know that I had that, but I had this education of how to hand, how to talk to her and how to be sensitive to what had happened to her. And that was just from watching this show. And there was just nothing like that. And then no getting to know people like, like, like you and listening to, you know, Red Room podcasts and everything throughout was just like every week, I mean, I'd watch it every, I'd watch episodes every day and listen to the podcasts and read the posts like 25 years later. I would do it, you know, every single day. That was my job effectively for those four months. I know it was yours as well. Like just talking to people, like I would, I would just get on the, I, I know I literally, I've listened to you do this. Like just, we get on the phone with someone and we would just talk about it for hours, like, like go into one episode and we would we would have six days in between and i would just watch them again and again and again there's no, i've never had any experience like this um man sorry i'm rambling because i haven't shared this like with i haven't i haven't talked about this in a while well know? it was a moment that we all experienced oh. at the same time and it was incredible and not normal television it wasn't and i feel bad for people who are going to consume season three on a binge basis. You know, I always tell people, don't binge it. Watch it once a week. And they look at me like I'm crazy. Like that's just the dumbest thing they ever heard. But I think I, the line that I like to say, and I've said many times, is Twin Peaks happens when you're not watching the show. Oh, not yeah. when you are like watching it. Because you got to think about it. It's got to sit on you. You've got to wonder those in-betweens i mean that, that was when man like walking outside after the after the, the the first whatever i think it was first two hours was that night was full-on dream state you know and that continued and so, so people are never gonna have never you can't simulate what we got that summer no. with the involvement and the the connectivity because 
I mean, it's more than what you just said. Twin Peaks happens when you're not watching. But what we were able to do, what we, I mean, I cannot overestimate the privilege that this experience provided with the in-between where like we watched the episode and then we had, we had a full week of, 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 of activity in, you know, in, inside ourselves to listen everything, every speculation, every idea. I, I said something at the top of this, like opening this podcast, like I want this to be about ideas and not about like what's going on in the world or whatever, like as much context as we need to talk, to get into ideas and alchemy and Twin Peaks created, it just, it changed my entire chemistry realizing how I could just, you know, these small things turned in, we could go hours and hours. It was so, it's never, I don't know what, is there anything similar? Have you? No, no, there isn't. And that's why I say it was the most fun I ever had watching TV. Even that includes the first time. I actually did watch it the first time around. And we didn't have, it wasn't the same type. I mean, I was six. My parents watched it, but I was like, you know, I wasn't Mm -hmm. really aware. I think for the first time, it was like the Thanksgiving marathon when I was like 10. I stayed Mm -hmm. up late and watched it. Yeah. And watched it on Bravo, probably. Whatever that, yeah, Bravo, whatever that would have been. I'm 35. Mm -hmm. So, you know, many years ago. Uh It was, it was, it was on one of those stations, I guess, Bravo. Yeah. Like, and they'd play the whole thing. And had the log lady intros when you saw it? I mean, do you remember if you saw what the log lady? I know that I saw the log lady intros. I know that I tracked them down a few years later. I don't remember if my first viewing had the log Mm -hmm. lady intros, but I'm positive. I know I remember the summer when I tracked everything down because I saw it when I was 10. I saw it like, like passively when I was a child and then I watched it. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I watched like a chunk of the episodes when I was 10. And then I went in, there was a summer when I was like 13 or 14. And that was like what I did. That's something that's like, I just tracked down all the Twin Peaks episodes and everything that I I did it by myself. There was no one else who gave a shit, you know, in my world, (laughs) but my mom was like the most helpful. But uh, yeah. And at that point I saw the log lady intros and everything. Mm-hmm. That was long before TV. That was VHS, you know, that original, that big box set. But I could never find the entire box set. I would go to different libraries in different. I would literally like go to different states that the library. I'd call ahead and they'd have it, and like it was crazy. And wasn't that so much fun? I actually remember hunting <sighs> down things like that, and it was exciting. And you know, I guess it's cool that we can get on the internet and buy anything we want. But there was something about finding it. Um, uh, that's what happened with me with the Firewalk with Me poster. I was on vacation and I remember it was some mall in Pennsylvania. I don't even know where we were, but I there was a Spencer's Gifts and in the back of the store was the Firewalk with Me poster in uh, cardboard. So it was a big, you know, it wasn't rolled yeah, up. Yeah. And this was before the movie came out. And it wasn't, oh, you know, it's wow. hard to explain to people that you didn't know everything. Like I knew a Twin Peaks movie was coming, but you don't know when, you, there was nowhere to look for it. You found out by 
being at the mall and seeing something. Yeah, and it wasn't I remember- like there was like reporters at Cannes, like <laughs> giving you the updates 10 minutes right. later. Like that was And wasn't, then you like- look on your phone and, you know, it tells you it's coming August 28th or 27th, whatever it was. <laughs> you didn't know when it was coming. You just knew it was coming. You knew there was a Twin Peaks movie. And I right. saw that poster and I remember I was flabbered. You know, I like I bought it and I carried around the mall that, big Cheryl Lee everywhere I went and uh, we were staying in a hotel and I remember putting it up on the mantle above the hotel bed and just you know you found a Twin Peaks thing which was insane it was one of the awesome you know it's the only product that was out at that point for Firewatch. original one sheet yeah and I still have it 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 sits above every computer desk I've ever had since cool that's so cool so go go back like tell me your you know uh, so you watched it live like 1990 tell me about your you know your origin story with this yeah i um i have this friend who i always trust you know when he said you should watch something you should listen to something you know all of us have that friend that you know that when they tell us to do something you do it and he said look there's this new show twin peaks and I'm going to watch it and I'm going to be talking about it. So you might as well watch <laughs> it. So you know what I'm talking about. Totally. And so I watched the pilot and it's one of those moments in life that I can, I still remember. I remember what the couch felt like because my life was changing in, in that time because it, it it's so funny. It I remember what so the couch felt like different from what, <laughs> other television was at the time. And I was 20 years old, so I was in college. And it was just perfect, because you want to think, you want to experience, you know. And I remember I watched it at my girlfriend's house with her parents. And the scene where the girl runs across the courtyard screaming and Donna looks out, her dad stood up and said, this is crap and waved his hands at the TV and was out of the room. And, you know, to me, I was like, oh, this is sad. Like, this is is different than there's a dead body and now we're going to solve it. You know, they Mm -hmm. spent so much time and I could kind of see what it was doing. And I was just being more and more drawn in as everyone else I was watching with was kind of like, this is horrible. Oh, so they were they were not into it? No, because I think there was a generation thing. You know, uh, my parents... Even my, what about the... You said you were watching with, with a girlfriend. She wasn't she into it? She watched it, but she didn't... It didn't... Uh, she watched it because I was watching it, you know? And the same Understood, thing happened yeah. when I saw Firewalk with me. Um, everyone I went with was disappointed, and I just loved it, you know? I think... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's weird because I feel like... I haven't really considered this till now, but I feel like now everyone has to like the same things. But I think when when it was on the first time, you could be friends with someone who didn't watch what you watched and we were still friends with them. Yeah, I <laughs> now, mean, we, we if have they don't like what you like, you hate them. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So it's, it's, it was it's different. media consolidation that permeates yeah. into personality consolidation. You know, it, it, we, we take on the, like the Rotten Tomatoes mentality, the Netflix right. thumbs up or down mentality of like Netflix represents your entire taste with a percentage like of right. match point that, that is, that is your, you are a 
person and this is how you you, you are 94 percent match to uh valhalla murders or whatever <laughs> <laughs> like you like this you like that um and i think that i mean i just wrote an article that that came out last night uh about consolidation you know corporate consolidation being a threat to creative diversity and creative diversity of course being where good things come from well of course i mean the blue rose is a great example of that you know we cannot we're not in bookstores because nobody would carry us because it's we're a small company and we're not going through something big. My publishing company does have a distributor and I tried to get them. I said, look, you know, people would do this. They would read this. They used to read wrapped in plastic. If you can get this in stores, but they won't, you know, they're like, oh, we don't carry magazines. So we won't do it. And I'm like, well, look at it as a book every three months then. <laughs> like, what's the difference? Sure. Cause it's a magazine. You, you don't want it. Um, and I think that's a big, part of it because corporations are they don't really want someone like me to invent something that people want that makes money well the way that i outline it in this article is i i analog that to radio where at a point there was a program director in new york city there was a program director in miami in boise in, in every city and right. there were multiple program directors in the same market for different tastes and stuff at some point, someone said, let me buy those stations and consolidate the infrastructure so they can share overhead, share, share uh, uh, personnel. Then they realized, wait a second, hey, if, we get, if everyone wants Justin Bieber, then we can consolidate program direction as well. We can consolidate everything. The most efficient business has everyone wanting the same things. So we can only provide the, we can direct all of our resources to providing that one thing. And thus, you know, you talk about magazines and you talk about, you know, publishing industry, it's the exact same thing. Like the most efficient version of, so like the corporate, the distributor, the, the major publisher, their job, their directive is not to make good literature for the world it's it's to run a company and control things and and make money no it's 100 percent true when I, I was lucky enough to write a book about david letterman and the ending of his show because i struck up a relationship with barbara Gaines, which gave me a lot of access when i say relationship i mean you know friendship that would be quite uh, something <laughs> Um, and so I had this great book, but I was a nobody. I had no, you know, I didn't have a company or anything. And so we were trying to get it out into the world and yeah. we were taking meeting after meeting and uh, without embarrassment, this person that I was taking a meeting with said, oh, we don't care what's inside the book. We care that exactly. you, you could pr produce seven books a year so we can make a million dollars. We're not interested yeah. in one good book. And I thought, you know, that oh, you're admitting that without, they weren't apologizing for it. They were just like looking at me like, so you have one great book. We don't, why would we want people to read that? So in a way though, it's just about understanding that position. And, you know, for, for the creative individual today, uh, we can 
focus on them as, you know, we can call them the bad guy and stuff like that, or we can just recognize, you know, I, I, I choose to recognize their position and recognize what that man that you took the interview with, what his position is. And I don't care about telling him how to do his job. I don't care about changing his, his directive. We have to make the adjustment and it's unfortunate, but what's really cool is that we have the resources at our disposal. They are not, uh, they don't come easy, but with a lot of coordination and collaboration, you know, and repetition, we can replicate the same things. Um, there is nothing to be, so like I left my, I had a, a job deciding like I, I worked at Apple Music, I ran Connect, I decided what got our big social push every day, for mm -hmm. example. I decided who got to go make a music video that Apple paid for, things like that. I decided what was on our Times Square billboard. Um, I left that and I know that that's still there and I, I have no interest. So like I'm putting out my own music soon and I'm not even going to like call those people who are doing what I used to do. Cause I know mm -hmm. that I'm not providing just like what you're talking about. I'm not providing them with, um, you know, with what they're looking for. So I'm, I'm not going to be, I don't care. Like, it's just the way it is. It's not the way I would want it to be, but it, but that's, that is the way it is. My answer to that is honestly, like we're doing it. Uh, it's, diversifying like it's the fact that i can be doing this with you right now and a few minutes later once this loads on my dropbox i'm talking to my music producer in london who's finishing a track that we're working on and then later tonight i'm going to be editing the film that i worked at. like i could do all these things what's so awesome about our world today is is how many tools we have and I think that those big box distributor people, those big publishers, like, you know, they do a, they do this gigantic thing, but it's a really, really specific thing. And, but here's the thing that I always say, you know, I have been so blessed with experiences that are really, I, no matter what anyone would have told me, I would never believe, I would never <laughs> believe that there would be a come a time when I would direct and collaborate with Lucy in a comedy yeah. skit. Okay, that's ridiculous. So yeah. of course I am blessed beyond belief. But, but like that's exactly cannot, it, you know? But, but yeah. I cannot go to the grocery store and tell the checkout girl, look, I made a really funny video <laughs> with Lucy. Could I take this gallon of milk? <laughs> and they'd be yeah. like what are you talking about i said well i just i need milk but um just i so accomplished you know, something but i it interviewed cheryl lee so i also right. would like to have bologna and cheese uh the problem is you're right we can adapt to it but we can't really live we can't eat and and in you know i would say it's set up quite against making 100%. something good and living and i don't want to be rich it's not one of my goals or i probably would be rich because that would have been my goal my goal is to create art i mean it's always been that to create art and make people laugh 
That's all I ever really wanted out of life. And I'm doing them both, but there are moments that I get disheartened. Of course. <laughs> with how, you know, that we've done quality stuff. And then you just see the schlock just roll through, you know, and and it's 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 some days up, some days down. I mean, my small way, you know, this is what this show is to me is like I'm curating idea, uh, ideas is my like if I'm sitting at dinner, I'm curating my, my universe. You know, I want the world to be talking about certain things. That's that's the world that I want to be experiencing. So. I have an episode about music. I have an episode about tea. I have an episode about Twin Peaks. You know, if I'm sitting at dinner with someone, like, what do I want them to bring up? What do I want? What kind of information and what kind of ideas do I want out there? And, you know, you, Scott Ryan, you explore ideas that I think are important. And oh, thank you. I want to engage with that. So for me, yeah, I mean, step one is just getting the ideas out there. And I don't know, I mean, yeah, the economics are really, really hard, uh, you know. And I mean, I mean, we've been lucky with the Blue Rose. We really have. We've never really crossed over to a place where I would say we were making money, but up until the most recent issue, we've never gone upside down. COVID might, yeah, it's tough My, for everyone. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's nobody's fault, but there were things. You've done a lot. Work. What are you on? Uh, it's Issue 13, 13 is out right 13, right now. yeah. Um, and this is like a double or one and a half yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, it's a one and a half issue because we wanted to do something special for the 30th, 30th anniversary. Awesome. Um, and so we put, that costs us a little bit more and it costs us more on shipping. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, with the shipping things, there's a lot of people in Europe who haven't got yeah. their issue or their books and they're sitting in customs and they're rightly upset. And I get those emails because we, sh we shipped people, everything out Seriously? People are like... Yeah, people, I mean, people, they won't, Yeah, I mean, people... I, I take it as a compliment. They don't understand that, like... <laughs> Well, no, they don't. And I take it as a compliment that people expect us to offer the same level of service as Amazon and things like that, because everything happens out of my basement. You know what I mean? Like, um, we are not, we have no office space, we have no infrastructure, we have no bankroll, you know, it all comes. I mean, that's another us. thing, like Amazon, literally, so where I am, mail is not easy, but Amazon gets here Tuesdays and Thursdays, they have a dedicated like truck or something. But mm -hmm. if I want anything else, I have to get someone to go pick it up two towns over. Yeah, I mean, Amazon's and, easy. Amazon comes in two days. Right. But, but Amazon takes most of the okay. money. I mean, like, we yeah, put, yeah. put it up on Kindle, uh, the issues, but you know, take they, like 50% they, they or something. 50%. Right? And, you know, Amazon makes more off every single thing I do than, you do. than I you, will ever. Because you're netting. Yeah, right. you're paying the the, the and they're always and... making fifty percent. That's true of my books and everything. Now, is that fair? Is that not fair? Who's to say? But it is hard to make a step forward with that. If they're not creating scale for you, it's not worth. They're not really contributing right. anything. They're just and, cutting into your margins. But, and what I would say is that Americans like it. I mean, Americans tell me all the time they would much rather go to Amazon than me. 
they I, I think would there's I would rather go to Amazon than you. The only reason why I buy it from you is because I I you don't have to tell me the economics. I know the economics and right. I know why it's offered there as opposed to on Kindle. So I know that if I buy it on Kindle, you're probably taking a net loss on right. your operations. And it's also well, for me, it's I like having it. the physical is cool. I have a stack of them in my on my you know, on my bookshelf and they're right next to wrapped in plastic and that's special to me, you know? <laughs> it's special to me too. I mean, working with John, it was really funny. I wanted to do this magazine. It was my idea. I wanted Oh yeah, to you have it. John in the 30th. Yeah. Um, and I, and John, um, I wanted, I just kept telling John, bring back wrapped in plastic. And he kept saying, no, it, you know, that was me and Craig. I don't, I don't think it would work. Who would want to print media in, in 2016? I actually started begging him in 2015. Hmm. When Mark Frost's uh, Secret History came out is when I was like, you know, that was the first new Twin Peaks thing. And I was like, there should be coverage of this. And so eventually I called John. That was crazy when that dropped. I know, wasn't it? Like just, just you know, for listeners that like don't, you know, Scott, Scott is like, glossing over this moment but like <laughs> fuck man like i as i had never experienced a topical twin peaks moment in my existence the most exciting thing was you know that gum you missing like is gonna come back into style okay missing pieces fan edit yeah. was pretty was pretty cool that was all but that was like okay so stuff trickled out over the years of like dvd right. but it wasn't new i mean it was new to us it was, but it wasn't yeah new. Right. So it was like, okay, cool. I get an extra, you know, 60 seconds of this scene and like, whoa, that's awesome. But like, you know, it wasn't like stop the price. It, it, was, it was cool. It was, it was, it fed the obsession. Um, and then there was that gum you like comes, is come, going to come back in style. The tweet, which was like, obviously, holy shit. Um, I think that was like my profile picture for a year or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> but uh, the book was it. Like the first substantial twin peaks anything in my you know cognizant lifetime period like i i was i was not really i had been watching the reruns you know for my whole life and then the book like getting that in the mail it's like man what it's crazy <laughs> so exciting it took me for i read it so slowly yeah, like, been, I, don't, I, had, I don't know. I had to read it quickly because I knew we were going to cover it and I didn't want any spoilers. So I remember. I spent forever reading it. I went back, I reread, I would go like in and out and I'd do the audible and I'd do the, I'd read the book and I, I took forever. I don't, I just, I just felt like, you know, the whole process was dragging like with Lynch coming in and out of production and stuff like that. So I just like stretched this out. I I'd just go in and out of it. I don't know how I like resisted, but the, it was just, it felt so good to have that freshness, fresh Twin Peaks storytelling. <laughs> I know. So it was cool. very, very exciting. Okay, um, sorry. So you back, okay, 20, 2015, 2016, you're talking to John. So when that came out and I plastic. finally said to John, I called him one day and I said, John, I'm starting the Blue Rose magazine are you in or are you out? You know, are you going to help me with this? And he said, all right, I'll help. And then we got Courtney Stallings on as our editor. 
because she's a journalist, because I didn't know anything about doing a mag. I didn't know anything. I mean, what I knew is I love Twin Peaks and I wish there was a magazine about it. That's what I knew. Just for anyone listening who doesn't know, we're, we're, we're talking, you know, we're talking inside baseball a little bit. John <laughs> Thorne uh, founded and, and edited um, Wrapped in Plastic, which was the first, I, a lot of people would, would call it the first like TV show fanzine um, ever. And that ran for... How many? How about long thirteen to fifteen years in that range. It's awesome, and like you can go on eBay. You can still get them. You could ask me. I have. I think I have all, but like a few issues. Um, oh, what do you not have? Do you not? Do you know if you have the Mulholland Drive one? That was the one that I was the hardest for me to get. I have to check. I have. To, I have them all. They're all sitting in. I mean, I'm <laughs> in Mexico right now. I, I. I. I don't have. I could actually probably find out. I could go through my email. And just like look at which ones I've ordered and see what I don't have. But yeah, I'm sure I know I don't have all of them, mm-hmm. but I've I've tried. There's a few that are just like you know four hundred dollars or something. Yeah, there. Are, yeah, and uh, the one it's got um, Naomi Watts and Laura. I can't think of her last name. Is it Herring? Herring. Yeah. Herring. They're on the front Herring, cover, and Herring, that was know. that was the hardest one for me. And you know, she kissed me. By the way, I don't want to. What? Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm just saying. Major, gotten, major. Yeah, it was kind of nice. I didn't That's mind. Cool. Yeah, I wouldn't. Okay, so John and so John, what he's talking about right now is, and we refer to Craig. Craig was John's partner on Wrapped in Plastic, and Craig unfortunately passed away. And John carried it on for a little while, and then eventually, in between, uh, you know, just went on hiatus. Uh, when the new season was being announced, Scott and John were talking, and Scott was trying to convince John to. Yeah, I mean, I just thought there was a place to do it. And I mean, I know that it's crazy to think. And by the way, Craig passed away after the magazine ended. So he did. It was after. That's okay. Um, And I just, I knew that people would want one when the new season came. And I just thought if someone else does it, it's going to kill me because I had thought about it. I loved Wrapped in Plastic. But I also always wanted it to be a little bit more, I mean, colorful, ours is in color, but I actually mean, you know, they were very academic and wrapped in plastic. And we certainly do academic articles every issue, but I really wanted it to be a little more fun. And that is what I've tried to bring to the Blue Rose is just a little bit of silliness Every once in a while, just laugh a little bit because I like to laugh about Twin Peaks. It, it makes sense because Wrapped in Plastic came at a different time when that did not exist. So I remember right. walking out of Mulholland Drive, for example, just to put into context of the year 2000 being in high school, I went to go see that film two days in a row at 85th and 1st. And all I wanted to do was talk about it. All I wanted to do was be like, what do people think this means? And I went on the internet. I went to everywhere. You know, to, I, I had friends, but like it took about a decade for me to be able to really get anyone's opinion, like like here and there you get opinions right. on it, but it's really difficult. At that time, there just was not that out there. So wrapped in plastic coming out starting in 1991 or 1990? 92. Or, 92, okay. Um, it could be 93. They pretty it much was, started with Firewalk with me. Yeah, it would have been academic for a wonderful reason because what people would have wanted in 1992 is, you know, really intelligent, thought out theory on on criticism on Twin Peaks not 
like you don't need to put personality into it. It's really just about like distilling the information that we're all thinking about and share and someone, an expert really doing a deep dive. Um, by the time blue rose comes around, we're talking 2015, 2016, 2017. Now the internet has been out there for a long time. And now, you know, if you Google Mahon drive explained, like you get 75 YouTube videos. (laughs) Like, so the thing that I was looking for desperately in the year 2000 is now like, exhausting uh so blue rose coming for you know in 2017 context of course you got to put personality into it of course you got to put family and community into it you got to mix it up the variety of of the the ways to look at this there need not be a definitive that doesn't really that would be counterproductive yeah it doesn't exist so i mean that that was sort of and we've gotten better with it as we've gone along you know, I don't look back at the issues very often. It's, it's. I think, you know, once they're done, I'm, I'm sick of them, for, quite frankly. You don't watch but, your old movies. You just move on to the next one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just, well, and part of it is I don't have time. And the other yeah. part is I'll just be yeah, so Yeah, you angry. publish a lot. <laughs> yeah. Just a lot, of, like, across all of your projects, like, you are, you are churning out a lot of, of writing and, and audio and a lot. Yeah, it's 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 too much. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, I, I didn't say it like that. I mean, I meant more of well, like. Well, no, for me, it's a little okay, bit too okay. much. Right at this exact moment, I'm because like, you diversify yeah. also. So there's definitely right. there's there's very few listeners who, unless they're like fans of you specifically, but it's not like there's people who you're you know overwhelming with Twin Peaks content. Like you might be right. doing three things in a day, but there's very few listeners who are listening to all three of them. So right. I see it as uh, not not maybe too much content for you as a human being. It's just right <laughs> now because I'm editing a book that we're trying to get out. I'm I'm working on a book about moonlighting. You know, we want to do issue 14 in the fall. So mm-hmm. right now we're taking a little break because honestly, with the shipping system the way it is, it's not, not in idea. our best interest to be shipping something right now. So that's, you know, we're just kind of taking a break. And I don't, and a couple of people have said, well, why don't you just do a Kindle version of the blu rays And I know that we could, but I like to feel it. I like to see it. I like it to exist. You know, I want to yeah. make something that exists. It's not that I'm anti ebook because I do like them, but I want it to exist. I'm old school in that way. There's definitely something different about it. I, for me personally, in two ways, I, I hearken back to this Umberto Eco quote that I'll paraphrase because I, I don't remember exactly the quote, but he famously, you know, like uh, he wrote about this, but ha- had just t- tremendous amount of books. And the books were not just there to be read, but they were there to, to, to bring energy. And, and, you know, you just walk by a wall of books or a wall of vinyl, you know, and you see that stuff and it just brings you somewhere, you know, it it contextualizes your day and your, your activity. Um, And, you know, the second part, I'm in the middle of a book right now called house of leaves that was kind of, it's a 750 page book that was like perfect. It's been sitting in my like top, of my like to-do list for years. And I've, I'm finally getting to it now during quarantine and I'm uh 200 pages into the book maybe. And I just ordered a new copy. I had it, I have it saved as a PDF and I've been reading the PDF, but I was just like, you know what, fuck this. Like I'm really right. diving into this book and it, for 20 bucks, I just, or, and I got it today and I have the physical, the tome, you know, it's like a Bible, right. it's big, it's thick. And man, started digging into that and it is a different experience than sitting on my laptop or my, or my Kindle right. paperweight. 
feeling the 750 pages. So yes, when I get your magazine and it's wrapped in plastic, by the way, Scott wraps blue rose in plastic. When he ships, he puts a cardboard uh, filler in the back to keep it from, um, from, from folding. And then, and then literally it's cellophane wrapped in plastic every <laughs> issue, <laughs> which I And the I reason I do that is because of Charlotte Stewart, who played oh. uh, Betty Briggs as well as the Mary OG. X in um, Eraserhead. Eraserhead. So I, my first book I wrote was about the TV show 30-something. And Charlotte Stewart wrote a book, and it's with the same publishing company. That one was before I started my own company. And I, she, since we were colleagues, I used to joke with her. We worked at the same, you know, I said, well, hey, we have the same job. Yeah, yeah. And she said, look, do you want advice for shipping that book out? Wrap it in cellophane because <laughs> it's less likely Wrapped to get wet. Wrapped in cellophane. <laughs> <laughs> and so when I started The Blue Rose, I thought I'm going to do that. And I am not joking. I didn't think about it being wrapped in plastic. When they started to arrive, issue one, everyone was like, oh my God, it's wrapped in plastic. <laughs> and then I was like, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't, That's crazy. And that one time did I think about it. I did it because Charlotte Stewart told me to do it. And I still do it when I ship out the books, when, when people buy books from Fayetteville Mafia Press. What a layered anecdote. <laughs> I, uh, I still wrap them because it just makes sense to give them that extra protection as they're going through and it's cheap as could be. It doesn't cost yeah. you anything to just wrap it in cellophane. And hey, if you're going to leave a body outside, you know, it's good to put right. something around well, it. Well, yeah. You know? <laughs> and I buy it in bulk so I could kill one of my kids if I want it. Oh, That's man. all I'm just saying. For, for anyone listening who, I don't know, you know, I, there's no chance anyone doesn't understand this anecdote, but wrapped in plastic is is the quote from the first, the opening 10 minutes of Twin Peaks where the body is found. And, and it's not a spoiler. This is like, you know, in, no, in yeah, the opening. It's the first, it's the first yeah. opener. I think it's like the third line after Josie Packard or something like that. Um, and, you know, he discovers it. He gets on the phone, calls Harry Truman, the sheriff, and wrapped in plastic. And it's just <laughs> like, and that's what he says. That's how he describes the body. And that became the namesake of the, the magazine. And, uh, it's what it's how you receive your blue rose today <laughs> and blue rose you know what you you take this one uh will you explain blue rose the title well, the blue rose um because i doubt was, most people probably missed that part yeah i mean the blue rose is from firewalk with me uh lil is a character who has a blue rose pinned to her red dress and that is signifies a mystery within the world of Twin Peaks. It's a Gordon Cole, which David Lynch plays, a Blue Rose. We wanted to call the magazine Between Two Worlds because we thought that the magazine would basically be Between Two Worlds, the new world of Twin Peaks and the old world of Twin Peaks. And right when I was gonna announce the title, uh, I think his name is Horton Perry or something. H. Perry so Horton. H, yeah, H. Perry Horton put out I know a exactly book what you were about to say. Between yeah. Two Worlds. He, yes. he released it the day before. And I was uh. like, oh. So then I was like, now what are we going to call it? And John suggested questions in a world of blue. And I'm like, that is way long. But I said, what about just Blue Rose? It's short. So when I was watching 
season three and the major's head goes by because remember we didn't know if the blue rose would be picked up in season three we had no idea Who yeah knows i mean it's gonna come back so or not when john first title exactly so when john first told me that you were calling it blue rose i was i was like oh like that was like because i knew the the context but like barely no it's in two scenes in fire walk with me right and then Kiefer Sutherland, uh, Chris Isaac explains it to Kiefer Sutherland five minutes later. But they don't really like dive into it much. No, I think it's not, maybe not very much at all. One other time in the film, like in the FBI sequence or something. That's it. And you can infer that there's more significance to it, of course. But it's not. The light is not necessarily shined on it. When you get to season three, though, and this is how prescient the title became, and we didn't know what. So when no, I was at no the premiere idea. with John, and he told me, I think he told me that night, there's no Blue Rose mention in the in the pilot in either. So it hmm. goes, it go. I think it's like four maybe or something like that uh, that you start to see it. Blue Rose is you can't watch season three and not know what Blue Rose is. Blue Rose is the whole thing at that point. Yeah, it's a, if you know what Black Lodge is, you know what Blue Rose is. Like it's the right. whole thing, and. So your title became great. <laughs> no, it was. And I remember the first time you hear Blue Rose in season three, it's the major's face going across the space. Okay. Yeah. And he says, Blue Rose. Blue Rose. And I threw my hands in the yeah. sky and said, yes. And I was just, you know, I, I mean, I try to be in the moment, but I yeah. mean, I was so happy because we could have been screwed. I mean, it could have been like right. Annie Blackbird. It was not mentioned it at all. It could have just been a total obscurity. I mean, yeah. it, it might not have never come back, but luckily it did. And then everyone wanted to be part of the Blue Rose Task Force and right, right. things like that. Well, those are like, now Blue there's Rose merch, there's mugs. Right. Yeah, exactly. There's the t-shirt with the emblem. It's the same thing. Like Twin Peaks Sheriff's Department was, was right. forever, you know, the mug and the shirt and the hat. And now they have Blue Rose Task Force. Yeah, and, and it helps like equal us. Equal on Showtime, yeah. Yep, it helps us very much. Although, you know, Showtime, who I, it, I met someone from Showtime uh, at a television event and mm -hmm. they knew of the Blue Rose and they were supportive, but they don't really help us. They won't retweet us. They don't, they won't assist us, but they don't hinder us. You know what I mean? Sure. But, um, but they do sell Blue Rose stuff, which I say helps us. So I'm all for it. Right. It just gets the gets the name out there in circulation. Yeah. Definitely better than nothing. Yeah. Heck yeah. I mean, it's it's exciting. Um, so let me ask you. Yeah. Tell me about, like, it's hard to pick your favorite, but I'll say your favorite today. What is your favorite David Lynch movie today? Wild at Heart. Oh, I love Period. when people say wild at heart. Yeah, uh, I say, um, so a few years ago, I reassessed, like, in this time period, like this, you know, starting when, like that summer, I sort of just like reassessed my entire everything. And part of that, I had, I had called Chinatown my favorite film for my whole life. Uh, mm -hmm. Since I saw it for the first time, whenever that was, it was my favorite movie. Um, now I think Chinatown is number five. And I reassessed that and, and made uh, my like dual number ones are my favorite film of all time, which is like, I, I, I call it like there's this and then there's all the other films ever made it is last year at Marion Bad and like Alain Rene 1960. Like that is just, it's like the whole text of filmmaking and then everything else follows it. Um, 
and my favorite cinematic viewing experience that, that is just like you don't get like 70 millimeter 2001 a space odyssey is just above any other cinematic viewing experience so those are my like movie and experience after that the category goes into which is like tied for my number two and i'd say if i could have made a film myself or if there's an existing film that represents like my taste and my ideas and my philosophy and my flavor it would be Mauvais song by Leo Carraz, which was, I think, 1986, um, and David Lynch, Wild at Heart. Just every, every artistic, musical, there's so many flavors in there that I just love. Like, I love Blue Velvet. I, I, I love Mulholland Drive. I, I love all of his films. But Wild at Heart gives just, like... It, it's it's like my doctrine of living, you know, when he points at that guy, like, I, I just, I, I know why. And, you know, and the way that he uses colors, the way that he uses music, the way that he uses feet, just, I, I it's so, it, it, yeah, Wild at Heart embodies everything. Like Twin Peaks is, is, is number, is number one. But like I put that in its own category, kind yeah, of. Yeah, it's it's not you in know, the same category. Wild at heart, though. Are you a fan of true romance? Yeah, I love true romance. Because hundred times. So for me, I wa- I can't watch one of those movies without watching the other. So if oh, I cool. get it, yeah. if if I'm doing a David Lynch marathon, because everyone's you know every couple of years I'm like I'm gonna watch them all in a row. Mm-hmm. Well, when I get to Wild at Heart. I have to watch True Romance. And it's the same thing. If I'm doing a Tarantino watch, when I get to True Romance, I have to watch Wild at Heart. And it's not that they're the same. They're very, very different films. But it, and I think it's it's just a violent love story, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I I think it, the similar, and they're, they're very similar in release dates too. I mean, Couple, I think like True a Romance was years, a couple years later. You know? Yeah, I think it was like 1990 and 92 or something. Like that. But I think, yeah, I mean, they're 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 similar, but I think they might have actually been written very close to the same time. For sure, yeah. But um, I Wild at Heart was my favorite Lynch movie for years and years. But recently, Lost Highway has unseated Wild at Heart. I The last time I saw Lost Highway, and part of it could have been that I saw it in a theater, It was the first time I'd ever seen it in a theater. It just really got me. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I just, it just played perfectly. And I don't know. I mean, I I will always have this feeling for Wild at Heart because I really do think it's one of the best love stories ever put on film. You just believe that their love is true. You believe it. Well, so two two things. One, uh, regarding true romance, I in my brain i'm associating you know the phone booth and true romance with the uh you know and the gas station and yeah. like this road the, 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 the not not the driving the side of the road and right. that's what those images that tony scott captured and david lynch captured on the side of the romance on the side of the road that mm-hmm. is what i think those two films did as iconic as ever the gas station sequence and the phone booth sequence those are you know family and and that that's really yeah 
I like I'm that. not just saying this thing. because you're saying this. I have video proof that can back it up because in 1993, <laughs> I made a, a documentary with a friend of mine called Can We Direct Your Attention? And we singled out scenes in movies. Yeah. And I picked the Wild at Heart scene on the side of the road because yeah. it's, and it's about music because when they jump, when they pull over and they get out of the car, and first of all, I love, Laura Dern saying, Sailor, you get me music on that radio this instant, uh -huh. I mean it. Oh yeah. But uh, <laughs> but they're jumping around at this hard rock, you know, heavy death metal music and they look like idiots. But then the camera pulls down and a sunset gets between them and Angelo's lush strings come in and they kiss. And it's basically Lynch saying, like, are you kidding me? That isn't romance. Them running and jumping to this song that they love, that's romance. So he, he takes that, he mixes in the trope of mm -hmm. all romance tropes and makes this beautiful scene. And it's just, I think Lynch's, um, I don't know if faculties is the right word or not, but I'm gonna use it. His faculties were at a peak right then. Because he's doing Wild yeah. at Heart, he's doing the pilot, and he finishes Wild at Heart, and he does episode two of Twin Peaks. So those three in a row, to me, that is the pinnacle of Lynch as a director, using everything at his, at his ability. He, so he's at the top of his game. To bridge this, where you brought in Lost Highway, I, to me, I create kind of like a that period that you just described where you say, you know, Wild at Heart, episode two, that was Lynch peaking. So Blue Velvet was like storytelling. Lynch found a way to do, so he started with Eraserhead and he went like, that was like, you know, pre-heroin Lynch. <laughs> like, like, like he didn't need heroin, he was just in dream world. Um, then he learned how to tell a story and there were, you know, within his, within his flavor. Blue Velvet did a great job with that. Then he learned how to really meld style and storytelling. And Wild at Heart and, and Twin Peaks were the pinnacle of that, where he's trying to tell, it's, it's still like, he's still bound to narrative. And he's using his technique and his style and his je ne sais quoi and his joie de vivre to combine these something else ideas with the like, well, these and people I'm going to add one thing to you. He was, he knew how to partner. So with Twin Peaks pilot, he's partnering with Mark Frost. Yeah. With Wild at Heart, he's partnering with Barry Giffen. And Incredible he writer. was, he was uh, a collaborator. So that's another tool that he was willing to use. I would submit that Lynch ends being a collaborator, maybe with episode 29 of Twin Peaks, but you know, that, that's something he's going to shed in the late 90s. Yeah, you know, that's a great way to look at it, actually. Pro articulates what I was kind of getting at in a more practical way. You, you kind of like nailed it even more because what I was like, he got rid of the need to like, he sort of had these two halves where like one is telling a good story and one is expressing all these other ideas with his style. And then he just like stopped worrying about telling the story and he just 
wanted to make sure he only required storytelling as much as it did not get in the way of expressing the ideas and the and the feeling and the style. And that's where Lost Highway goes, you know, full heroin Lynch, as they say. Um, and I think, yeah, I think I think finale of season two was his entree into that. You know, uh, Firewalk with Me was still in that segue. I think I think finale when he started doing the um man there's a there's a short film from uh that i have to send you i forget i just i just found it and it is i mean he's gotta have seen it because it's hmm. it's the ego and the id chasing each other through through a a peephole and stuff and then coming through the peephole and then chasing each other in the mind's eye and stuff um I, I, I'll, I'll send it to you later um, I'll, I'll find the link, but that was him doing this. Like, I don't really care what they think is happening here. I care what they're feeling here. And then lost highway was the, the peak of that. Um, and yeah, I saw it for the first time in, in a theater, probably, you know, a few years ago, like probably 2018, you know, 2017, 2018. Um, I love wild at heart because I want to, that, that that's the balance in my work. I don't want to make fully of, you know, f like expressionist, like I want it to be grounded in narrative. I want it to be stylized. I want it there to be, you know, magical realism. I want there to be craziness. I want there to be surrealism, but I want it to be grounded in narrative. And wild at heart is something that I'm just like, that I would love to make that. And it's possible because like I haven't made it yet that I want to do that. But once I do that, then I want to go make Lost Highway. I don't know. Because <laughs> Lost Highway is certainly flexing that muscle in a much stronger way um, for everything that you feel on the side of the road. And while at heart, you feel something much more extreme in front of that house next to the car in the headlights when they're you know in the dust and uh, what's the song that plays? Fuck. Um, I'm Drained. Songs to the Siren. About the, oh. is, is it? No, it's in Song to the Siren. Isn't it when he finally used Song to the Siren? When, when, when they're outside toward the end, Balthazar Getty and Patricia Arquette and she straddles him in the, in the dirt. I don't know. What, I know what you're talking that, about. That, that, that actually is my favorite scene. Um, I thought you were so, talking about the opening song of oh, um, no, no, no. I'm Derange. No, it's like toward the end before the thing blows up uh, when, when, when they're in the headlights on the ground outside the house. That is like my sort of, if I'm thinking of, uh, along the cinematic grammar that we're talking about with Wild at Heart side of the road, True Romance side of the road, like Lost Highway, that I would compare those three of like, that's what he was speak that's that's how his vocabulary had evolved at that point in his career and that sequence is just so out there and interpretive and 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 visceral more visceral than so the way that you're getting like the love feelings from from the scene the sequence that you described lynch i think is more that's when lynch is truly like the lynch that we see today in interviews where he's just like you know it's it's i would never tell you what it's about it's for you to interpret it's your dreams and i just want you to feel things and like i think that was that sequence in lost highway is something that everyone watches and they just get so many feelings from right i love that yeah but he it's, hadn't it's, gone it's, there yet it's grown on me 
a lot because the first time I saw it, I was fine with Lost Highway, but it it would I would never think I would say it's going to be my favorite Lynch film. It just didn't, you know. And for years, it didn't while land on me either for a while. Yeah, it took I, me I a think while. that with episode eight and with you know the the entire return, it frames Lost Highway in a much better light because now you can. I think, I think we were given sort of a codex to understand Lost Highway a lot more. I think that's true of Eraserhead too. Um, mm-hmm. Eraserhead, watching it after um, season three, it's not so weird. <laughs> you know, you're, you're, <laughs> yeah. you've kind of, you get it. You see so much of what he does. Um, right. Now, do you have a Lynch film that doesn't work for you? Uh, I mean, I know it's sacrilege to criticize our main leader, but it's not a criticism. No, it just no. means for you. It's just, just. I have maybe. sitting in my quarantine things to do Inland Empire revisit, which I haven't done for a long time, and I don't know what that what's going to happen. So I, I saw it at IFC a couple times back when it you know when it did its run, and I remembered not just I, I remember feeling. Yeah, like very okay with leaving and going about the rest of my day. You know, it did not become like when I walked out of the theater after Twin Peaks, you know, episode two in 2017, it was like, wait, like I thought that was red. This, like everything is, you know, and when I watched Inland Empire, I was like, okay, like you want to get dinner? Like it was, it, it didn't move me. So, um, I don't know. I'm gonna rewatch it. I have it like saved on my computer, and I, I'm gonna rewatch it sometime. Like I don't know. Maybe I'll do it this week. Um, but I don't have any apart from just like there being some cool images. Like I have that in you know the image of the of the super close up Laura Dern on TV with the pixels is a great image, and the bunnies great image. You know, great great surrealism. But like okay. You know, like I, I didn't, it didn't do anything for me. Yeah, me so I don't know, it's I, not, but I have not revisited it in a while. I, st- I tried to watch the front half of it. We were, we did a men of Lynch and a women of Lynch issues. Right. And I had to go through Books. and, you know, and, and check it, them out. So for Inland Empire, I actually didn't make it through. It wasn't that I actually didn't dislike it it just like you're saying it didn't grab me yeah I don't i'm think... not watching it and i'm like fuck this shit no not at all no I'm just like, i mean what? it's just yeah it just doesn't i think i think lynch does do best when he has a constraint mm-hmm. and he or he has a collaborator that he listens to and i think that is total unleashed lynch and yeah. i it needs an editor in my it's on the other side of the Tarkovsky line, as Paul Schrader would say. Paul Schrader, Transcendental Style in Film, is like my Bible for film. And he mm-hmm. makes this uh, uh, diagram of like tons of different filmmakers along the art spectrum. And he basically, he, he creates, so there's like three different lanes that they can go. And of like slow cinema, surveillance camera, and I forget what the other one is. Um, but three different like stylistic lanes that they can go. And then he makes a circle, which is the Tarkovsky line, which is 
movies that you're going to watch in a movie theater, movies that you're going to watch on the wall of a museum. And Inland Empire, Lynch has thoroughly crossed the Tarkovsky line into movies that you're going to watch in a museum. Right. It's, it's certainly art. There's certainly ideas and expression and feelings there, but it's just like, it's different. And um, yeah. yeah, I don't criticize. I don't like dislike it. I just, I think it's on the other side of the Tarkovsky line and not everything on the other side of the Tarkovsky line makes me feel the same kinds of things as when you describe what you thought of love on the side of the road. Well, and I think the other Bottle thing is music coming in. when you revisit a movie you've seen, most times, I think, if you're, if you're going to watch something like you said 50 times, the reason you go back to it is the character. That's really why you miss your friends. And that's why we want to go back to Twin Peaks. And I just, I'm not sure there's a character in Inland Empire that I'm like, oh, I really, I need to see that Jeremy Irons director. <laughs> like, I am missing that character. Yeah. And, and Laura Dern's not even Laura Dern. She's just a foil. She's just a, a consistent foil. Yeah. Uh, whereas the straight story, what, what do you not do? You I, have a um, I mean, Inland Empire. It's funny because I almost don't count Inland Empire because yeah, so. it's it's not. But I should have. So I mean, it would it's be like that. Dune and Inland I, Empire are the exceptions. Right. I mean, you know? I can't. I can't do Dune. I can't do it. I'm sorry. I can't do it. But and yeah. I tried so hard. I was like, I'm gonna make it to the end, and I can't. I fast forward. It's just painful to me. But I don't know if you can really count that. As, right. But I love the straight story. The straight story is is so much. It's actually we never did do it for the blue rose. I keep saying every time we're going to do an extended thing about the straight story because I feel like that is his most underappreciated work, including Inland Empire. Because I feel like everyone talks about how crazy it is, but I feel like straight story gets washed away. And my the most important thing that I think we have, if you want to talk about ideas, is kindness. You know, if I've ever had a success in the world, I got it because I was kind to someone else who helped me and I helped them and it moves you forward. And straight story is so much about kindness. So it, it speaks to my soul. To think about it. Yeah, I mean, I'd say the Lynch catalog, I pretty much feel like what you would expect me to feel about all the films. Like I, I don't really have any... Um, any surprise reactions uh, yeah i'm pretty much with the consensus on i can go i can go into the weeds on any of them in my own personal way but like as far as my rankings and whatnot like you know wild at hearts at the top and everything else like kind of fits in i i, I love the things that like i had that when mahal and drive came out it was like oh my god and i went i just kept going back every day um and Lost Highway, when it came out, I was like, I don't understand, you know, <laughs> but this soundtrack is great. And like, oh, cool. That image of the headlights is great. It took me a decade to like come around to Lost Highway and these ideas of, you know, a psychogenic fugue that it, it's just like, I didn't watch it and think of psychogenic fugue. It just didn't come to me. So if you watch no, Lost it didn't Highway come to me and like either. you don't, right. not at all. It took me a decade. You know, it took it took me a few years ago to watch it and be like, oh, okay, just take this as an emotional arc of the inside of someone's mind in crisis. And ah, okay, I can watch this movie now, beginning, middle, and end. Well, then, you know, this is I think I, this I is my friend Maya McBriar's um, theory that basically the whole movie is Bill Pullman 
being killed in the electric chair. And I think looking at it that way, it makes sense. This is this moment before he dies where he goes and he considers what he did and the murder he committed. I don't know if and that's true or not, but I, I like it. And on it would, the bookend on it would idea, I think, the way that, that you know, uh, Mr. whatever, I forget what, Mr. someone is dead name. Dick Laurent. Yeah, it's Dick Laurent is dead. What, yeah, but like, like, like when the, the, the buzzer uh, ringing in the beginning and then ringing again in the end uh, would be like, okay, cool, he's finished assessing you know, mm. his, uh, I don't know. But uh, we, I mean, yeah, we could talk all day about <laughs> Lynch, Lynchian dream stuff. Um, wait, give me, this is a part of your story that I do not know. Give me between, the, the, like, between you watched it and you loved it but didn't share it with other people and you started the, you, you know, you took over for Wrapped in Plastic. Like, what's, what happened in between? Where in the, in the fandom well, I mean, it's it's actually a very it's a it's a very precise moment. Mm -hmm. So, I lived, you know, the very the life you're supposed to live when you come up in the Midwest suburban America. I went to college, got married, had kids. I was behaving, <laughs> and you know, you throughout about that this on time, your Scott's podcast, <laughs> um, and and I was just behaving basically. Years, 25 years later, you know, Laura said, I'll see you in 25, <laughs> 25 years. 25 years later, yeah. I mean, that's, it was the 25th anniversary uh -huh. of Twin Peaks. I went to the Twin Peaks Festival for the first time. Oh, wow. And it was, it was, it sounds crazy to say, but the truth is it was the bravest thing I ever did. Like, it was hard for me to really come out and say, look, I still love this show. I still, it matters to me and I'm going to fly. I'm going to take vacation. I'm going to buy a ticket. I'm going to fly out there. I'm going to pay the money and I'm going to go stand with strangers and tell everyone I love Twin Peaks. When I get there, I'm at the Great Northern, which is the Salish Hotel. I'm walking around the gift That's where shop. in the opening shot of, of the, the credits, the waterfall and there's the hotel. Yeah, in the it's all That's there. In the gift shop. see it on my Instagram. <laughs> is Catherine Coulson. Uh the log lady. Log lady. She's there. I mean, I couldn't believe there was the log lady. I went up to her and I said, could you mind if I could get a picture with you? And even though I could get it later, you know, this is before the fest. She says, of course, we get a picture. She asks me to take a picture of her because she wanted one to send to her kids. I take it on her phone. We talk. She was so nice to me. And it was the log lady, you know? Six weeks later, she's dead. That whole interaction that she had with me, she was majorly suffering from cancer. I didn't know, nobody there knew. I was at work in my cubicle. I worked at a, a um, telecommunications company in a cubicle and I find out Catherine Coulson is dead. And at this point there is no season three. I mean, we know they're filming it, but we don't know if she's in it. We don't know anything about season three. This is two years or probably before season three comes out. It's like 2015 probably. Yeah, it should have been 2015 and it was September. And I'm in this place and I'm like, well, I'm in a cubicle? I'm in a box. I have let corporate America stick me in a box like a puppy. 
And that started everything for me. That's when oh. I really pushed, you know, that September, Mark Frost's book comes out in October. So we have like a similar. <laughs> yeah, when you were telling me about when it, Peaks I was thinking, this is out. so much. And I was <laughs> love like, this is I love that. I was like, I'm going to write. I didn't want to, I don't care if your cable is working. I don't care if your modem works. I'm going to help you get your modem fixed. I don't care. I want to write. I have ideas I want to share. And within, I think the first issue came out in February. My 30-something book came out in May. Twin Peaks premiered in May. I was at the Twin Peaks premiere that you were at. What a night, yeah. Um, I'm, sure we, I'm sure we met that we night. We probably or... did out, out, in that, out in front of the thing and stuff. And my whole life had changed. You know what I mean? Like, and, and that all started me. It's all from Catherine Coulson, and it's slightly you know, Wait a second. Oh, my God. No. Oh, my God. We did meet. I think and we, we exchanged meet. information. I have your business card, your blue rose. You, we have, wow, I don't know why I didn't, I don't remember this. No, we absolutely met and had a conversation and I'm remembering it right now. We had two conversations. I, I don't know why I blanked on this. Wow. Okay. Well, it was a big no, night. I you also, you was, also saw oh all of new Twin Peaks and it every celebrity insane. ever. It's okay that you didn't think about me. Were you <laughs> standing with me when... Catherine Coulson's daughter came over and we were with no. Grace Zabriskie and Andy. No. Okay, finish what you're saying and I'll tell you that story. Well, after. no, go ahead. I mean, that's basically it. Just that that, um, that inspired, it was all her. And, you know, we, we donated the second year of the Blue Rose to the Catherine Coulson Welcome Fund in the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. Beautiful. Um, because it matters to me. I've been interviewed by, um, how am I going to forget his name? I know it's Richard, but who is directing the Log Lady movie? Why can't I, you know, the magician from Mulholland Drive. I cannot believe I interviewed him in issue 13. Richard, why can't I think of his name? This is so embarrassing. Cut this out. I'll get in Richard Green. <laughs> Richard, um, Green. Richard Green's documentary about the Log Lady. Um, telling oh, yeah, I've, the story. I've seen the updates, like the the... Crowdfund. You know, I don't know if I'll make the final cut for the movie, but he did talk to me about it. And I hope I'm in there because she matters to me. The log lady changed my entire life. She really did. So I'm standing outside. This is, you know, minutes later. You remember, we were all just like, like nobody left. We right. all just stood there for a long time and just, we're just like, I don't even know what to say. We were all just <laughs> glowing together and just to flip it out. Um, it was the best scene. Oh my God. The early scene, the first part, you know, the pre everyone just hanging out. And I'm like, I had corresponded with Harry goes like on Facebook and stuff over the years, like rant, like we were Facebook friends for whatever, you know, like similarly, like, like you know, mm -hmm. you just like have a random relationship with right. Lucy and like, like, and, and a guy comes out and he's just like, Harry goes. And I'm like, Oh Jesus. Like, <laughs> Like the pictures I have from that night are so crazy. Um, so we're standing outside and I'm talking to to John and man, I forget the other guy's name, but he was called the biggest Twin Peaks fan. Like Josh that was, Eisenstein? Josh, yes, Josh, exactly, yes. Um, so it's me, Josh, it, Monica, my friend who I, who I brought, and, uh, and Grace Zabriskie. And if you remember, there were those, uh, have you seen this man posters in the scaffolding outside. I have, the I have a story about that when you're done. Yes. Okay, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> so those were like, you know, yonder, like 20 feet right. away. And um, we're standing there talking, Grace, Josh, John, Thorne, 
uh, me and my friend Monica, and I make some remark. Okay, there, okay. So there's like two two things happen at once. I'll I'll, I'll say the the poster first. Um, I I I'd say that's your poster. To, to Grace Zabriskie, and she's like, she's like, what do you mean? And and she had forgotten. I was I was like, you that right. drawing is your sketch. And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, from the episode you described to Deputy Andy. She's like, no, I don't think so. And and then I I was like, <laughs> Harry, like, <laughs> and I call Harry goes over and, and I'm with Josh, and, and it's like we're with the like the brain right. trust, you know? It's like John Thorne, Josh, me. And me being like the, the, the nobody here, you know, and the people like, and we right. got that picture uh, uh, next to the thing. And she was, and we reminded them, we walked them all through it and how Andy sketched from her description from her dream sure. of him peering over the bed. Um, so that was just like an insane moment for me to be able to just like walk through that with, with those, those people like the two people from the thing and, and, and right. Josh and John, just like, man, the, the way that you, you kicked this off with like, wasn't that the best time of your life? Like this was the best night of my life period. Like, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I remember at the end of the night, like whatever, I don't think she'd be mad about this, but like my friend Monica is, is like the hottest lesbian like ever she's just she's awesome and i have i've always like since i met her just had a gigantic crush on her but been completely okay being friends right but admittedly like yeah she's and like that night we kissed because it was just like <laughs> this is insane like this was just the coolest and i just remember like that was the last thing i did that night and it was like this is ridiculous. Like, this is like nothing ever. Like, <laughs> it was just insane. And so, okay, so we just took that picture and we're just like in our glow from like, how cool was that, you know? And this girl walks over and she says, she like cuts through us a little bit. We're standing like, you know, in a circle. She cuts through and she walks over to Grace and says, uh, the words, my mom has something to tell you. Oh and it was... Gosh her daughter it was and she and she for you know my log has something to tell you my right. mom has something to tell you and she i will never remember the words because it was like a like i didn't remember the words 15 minutes later because it was right. like it was i was my brain was overloaded um so we had just taken this picture this like holy shit and then this girl comes over and and it takes me a second to put two and two together as they're speaking in front of me and they start crying and she she is delivering to Grace Catherine's you know thirty thirty year friendship uh, like dying words that she specifically gave to her daughter to give to Grace on this night and uh, wow. and I'm just and I and I'm standing there and I'm just like one of the people standing there it was like oh my god and and just these kinds of it was. That's like we crazy. all started crying. It was just like, fuck, what a moment. Um, and we became Zoe, I think her name is. Uh, and we became, we became friends after that. I saw her the next day, like, like randomly we were at the same, uh, like if there was a food festival thing the next day and we all hung out. Um, that night was so crazy. And like, and, and, and that Clifton's cafeteria, the Ace Theater and then Clifton's cafeteria with the tree in the middle. Like, what the fuck? It was, so, it was just... Well, night. we were, after the movie, 
played and Showtime was starting to tear down outside, kind of, you know. I went and I walked as far past, because there was like a place where people were dropped off and then there were like trees and it said Twin Peaks and then you had the Ace Theater, but then it went a little farther and they had lined those posters of Bob, that whole area, but then they went past right. the Ace Theater. So I went okay. as far as I could get away from where it was and I just stood there and I put my hands up and I got the first staple and I got the second staple and the third staple and I got loosened them all Amazing. and I pulled that poster off and rolled it up and stuck it down my pants <laughs> and I went and found my wife and I said we have to leave now I have Bob yeah, in yeah. my pants <laughs> <laughs> and so that that uh so poster is great. still framed you have that uh in oh. fact if you watch the harold smith stay and play in which oh you is can still see up, it you, it's behind me it's framed behind me so i yeah, have because i'm like you know they're gonna throw that away nobody cares oh, and if course, i were to yeah. ask they would have said oh that's property and i was like i'm stealing one my big takeaway from that night was um i forget the actress's name but there is there's an actress who is young like she was on like some other tv show um she was super insignificant like we didn't know how insignificant she was at the time so they gifted a lot of the actresses not a lot like like 10 of them mm -hmm. or something uh logs and i was talking to one of them man i feel bad that i don't know her name now was it zoe <laughs> um, we could easily look this up but um was it zoe mclean the girl who played i don't the think so. turkey jerky I don't think so. Girl? She was, okay. I, I know, I know her first episode, like she ended up being super late in the season, mm -hmm. but, but okay. anyway, it doesn't, it matter. doesn't matter. But we were talking at the, at the premiere and just like, I was gushing, you know, and I was like being, I was speaking in the way that I'm speaking right now, just like, Aah! and she was like, not that she was just like this was a cool part that she played you know it wasn't a big deal to her and she uh she was like you know what like they gave me this thing like you're gonna care a lot more than i do and she gave me her log and i have really that great. log still it's it's in my la storage unit because i moved out of my la apartment um but yes yeah, but so i ha i have a log that says that my, my really log has something to tell you on it and yeah. I took pictures. I, if you go on my Instagram, you can see from that night, I have pictures with Laura Dern, Bobby Briggs, uh, with a bunch of them holding a log. And it's like, oh, it's so cool. <laughs> That's yeah. my probably best, like, Twin Peaks. Oh, my God. Now I'm thinking of, like, all these other Twin Peaks stories. Like, <laughs> like the day before my grandfather died, I buried, I wore this necklace. I wore the two hearts, mm -hmm. like, the, 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 the split heart that Laura buries. And I, I had it for a long time. And I had two halves that would go around my neck and I wore both of them and whatever, I don't need to go. It was all about duality and blah, blah, blah. And like, it had significance to me to wear both of them. And I went there uh, with, I, I, I went to the spot where she buries it, um, which is right by like, you know, uh, Jack, Jack Rabbit's uh, uh, palace, mm -hmm. right? Uh, yeah um in in that that forest where they shot like seven different scenes where they just like if, if you walk there it's all like within like a two minute walk but you just right. like position the camera and all the, and it's like a whole different place um and there's a spot where you can go where that's where laura buried her necklace in the pilot and um and i buried half of my necklace there that day 
when I was there on the spot. I just thought about it. I, had, I hadn't planned it, but I was like, you know what? Wait a second. I should do this. So I buried my half and then I took the other half. And uh, my grandfather died the next or like two days later, I think. He, he had gotten sick right around. He had been sick, you know, but he got like, like my first fly across the country hospital visit was the week of the pilot was like, it was right then. And then he died the week before the finale. So I was going to fly back to the Reber's invited me to watch the finale at Laura's house. And um, I was planning to do that. But then I came back to Los Angeles from Seattle. He died like two days later and I flew home and uh, I, my, I land and go straight to my parents' house and my uncle's there. He's leaving. He's going to go prepare, like prepare the body basically. And he's like, cause the funeral is the next morning. And he's like, do you want to leave anything in the, uh, in the, in the coffin? You know, do you want to bury anything with him? I'm like, why? Like, and I literally like, this is me like landing from the airport and I have no idea. And I'm wearing the necklace and, I thought, and I just took it off right there, handed it to him. So half of the necklace that I wore for years is buried at Laura's spot and half is buried in my grandfather's uh, grave. And the arc was the first like hospital visit was the week of the pilot. And then he died hmm. a couple days before the finale. And it was this bookend. So when we're talking about these like life changes, you know, like when the finale happened, it was like, for me, it was the end of this. It was, it was four months of like going inside and really letting the world wash over me. And then it was like everything ended at the same time. This whole mm-hmm. period of my life that was like really, really crazy. Um, more stuff with, with the girl I had met and like it all in, in this harmonic way happened at the same time. And it all re- revolved around Twin Peaks. So it's Doesn't so special everything. to me. <laughs> <laughs> it all what, what do you say to people to, to convince them to dive in? Like if you talk to, re- to regular people today. So this is kind of funny. I don't. And I never tell anyone to watch Twin Peaks, okay. which is really funny. I have, and it's two of my very dear friends that I've met in the last couple of years are both watched Twin Peaks this year because other people told them to watch it and they knew I had something to do with it. And then they're like, (laughs) but you know, they didn't, they, so they kind of knew about, but they did it because of other people. And then they're telling me like, you didn't tell me anything about this. And I'm like, it's not my style. It's not really my style to put my stuff on someone else. Like I'm, I have my obsessions and I really don't care if you have them. It's sort of, I'm not someone who's like, oh, I like this, so try this. I never say, when I'm eating, I will never offer you a bite of my food. It's just not gonna happen. It's just not my style. It doesn't mean I'm selfish. It's just, (laughs) I don't push my stuff on you. Um, So I really, I never tell, I, I always assume, I think Twin Peaks is something that you have, it comes from your soul and it finds you at the right time. And I'm not a spiritual or person at all, really. I'm pretty practical. But I Have just you ever think there's something tried magical. TM? Oh God, no. I I I think no, I, w- I wouldn't. It's just not I don't need to meditate. I've never been angry. And I don't have a temper. And I sort of think you just I'm a worker. So I just <laughs> go about my business. 
Fair. Um, you know, it's just not my style, really. I'm not against it. I don't care if you do it. I don't care if that guy does it. I'm glad yeah, yeah. it works for Lynch. But I, I couldn't sit there and do nothing. It's, it's sort of not my, it's not my modus operandi. Understood. What about, so does your family, does your daughter, is she into Twin Peaks? Do they, do? Um, no. Um, one kid did watch it. And I think my son watched part of it. He never get made it to Firewalk with me. They've seen Laura hanging on our wall. I have the homecoming picture up next to their school pictures hanging on our wall. <laughs> And like I said, Laura and the Firewalk With Me thing has been on my computer their whole lives up there. And the music is played in the car as if it's the Beatles. You know what I mean? It's coming up. They just know the Twin Peaks. So yeah. they don't really care. You know they what I mean? They have parts of it, but it's not theirs. Yeah, I, they just, I get it. Okay. They don't care. They, I don't think they would be into it. And they don't really care what I do. Like, it's not a bad way. I think that's what kids are supposed to do. Like, they kind of think it's stupid that I fly all around the world for this stuff. <laughs> it's so crazy. You know, we're so lucky to have, frankly, you know, to have each other. Because, right. like, I had this obsession my whole life, solitary. Like, every time I had a roommate, my college roommate, I got into Twin Peaks and he got obsessed to the point that we almost went to the festival, like, in 2000. That would have been 2003. Um, we didn't go. I don't know why, but, like, we didn't. But we wanted to. Um, I think it was probably just we're broke. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Uh, but, um, like, every girlfriend I ever had, every roommate I ever had, I turned on to Twin Peaks. And that would be, like, a, a sort of rite of passage for us to watch it together. And that's why one of the reasons why I would rewatch it all the time. Because any new important person in my life, I would, I would say, oh, I would love to watch this with you and, and share. Um, but there's something else to, like having the vocabulary and it's totally different talking to you about this than with the shorthand you know than just like a person who i pushed the thing on to and that we had that summer especially we we have it forever but we also had this super hyperactive summer like it's just it's it's like the world series you know it's it, it just doesn't exist having that kind of unification of these obsessions being able to do it in the open and fulfill all of it like i was i was it was my favorite thing for 20 years before i could really have a fulfilling conversation about it and then we got it and we got it in the most major sustained way it's crazy like all the podcasts Honestly, i listened yes. to all the podcasts all of them like it was I never got bored. I loved hearing everyone talk about it. It was just the love and the passion and the, the, the connection over it. I know, it's, it is something and I am grateful to have a lot of wonderful friends that, that we talk about this stuff with and, it, and to get to know the celebrities and you know, yeah. some of them are honestly my friends. I mean, Charlotte Stewart and I are friends. That's ridiculous. Yeah, so tell me a little, go into some of that now because you just did like the Harold Smith live stream. Yeah, the Harold Smith, yeah, yeah so um, I don't know if it was CBS Showtime or Graceland because I could never figure out who, but they asked me to take part in the oh, Twin yeah, we Peaks. We were supposed 30th. to have the Twin Peaks 30th. Right. right now. Are you going Graceland. to that? 
I wanted to. I, I mean, it, it didn't it, happen. As it, yeah, as it got closer, I was like unlikely because it just seemed like, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I was I was 50-50, I would say. So they but asked I, I would me love to, to, to host um, some panels at there, which I was very honored to do. But they didn't really give me any direction at all. So I, start, I reached out to Sabrina Sutherland and to Cheryl Lee and asked them if we could do one-on-one and interviews because that's what I like to do most and they were they were like sure so then I told Graceland hey I got I got these celebrities they want want to do is that what you wanted me to do I don't know so that became that I was going to do the celebrity panel and stuff which would have been an amazing like mind-blowing thing that the first actual Twin Peaks like official fest like that I would be getting to talk to them well then of course once they said yes and, you know, that's why the virus came. It was all my fault. <laughs> and so when it became that April 4th, I should have stepped out onto a stage with Twin Peaks people and interviewed Twin Peaks celebrities. Well, about two weeks before that date, I thought, why can't I still do it? Like, so we can't go. Like, I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah, and so I sure. sent Sabrina an email and I said, would you still do that interview with me? We were supposed to. Let's do it online. And she says, I love the idea. But then that to me said, oh, ask everyone. So I sent out emails yeah. to everyone I ever interviewed. And most people said yes. And all of a sudden I had a three hour show and I scheduled everyone in half hour increments and we did it live from my house my daughter like ran the she would give she was texting lucy saying you're up in 20 minutes and Uh, my wife was getting questions because you know we're all quarantined so it was all from home yeah and i wanted you had the short film and stuff yeah it was great yeah and and i wanted to do something so i wanted it to be like a real show i wanted to show kind of what i could do so i i did an open i wrote an opening of me going to the Palmer house. And I knew Mary Reber really well, and I knew she would do something for me. So I I wrote this script and I sent it to her. And I said, you know, could you have your daughter film you? And then I'll film me out of my front door and it'll look like I'm at your house. Well, she ended up being alone. Her daughter was quarantined somewhere else. She's like, (laughs) I'll get someone to come over. And I'm like, no, I'm not gonna kill a member from Twin Peaks. I'm like, just (laughs) voice it. So I used her picture and I actually, I'm really proud of some of the jokes I wrote in that opening. <laughs> uh, there, it's all Mary's up on YouTube. Amazing. She's great. I, She's I was so amazing. happy. Yeah, that was a really special thing. I spent a really beautiful afternoon with them. I think I saw that. I think we had dinner the next day or something like that. I think I saw them twice. Um, but they were so welcoming and, and oh, yeah. knowledgeable and passionate about the, like, it's just to have those people as the ones, you know, holding down this holy ground you know i mean it is incredible and to have them in the end is crazy yeah i mean it is it was wonderful so i because i was raised on letterman so i wanted to have like a funny beginning and then we just did it it ran three hours we had no snafus it's the last time i looked it was viewed like eighteen thousand times and basically we just celebrated twin peaks for free there was no money to be made. You know, it was all free. That was what I told all the celebrities. This is a free thing, you know? Yeah. 
no one's getting paid, no one's making anything. It's just because, a nice thing. Yeah, I just thought, let's have this 30th. I mean, that's a pretty big deal that the show's been around 30 years mm -hmm. and I want to do something. Supposedly Graceland is going to happen on Halloween and supposedly I'm still going to be involved. Halloween this year? Yes, I think it'll be canceled, but that's you know, not going to happen. I'm saying I mean, as of awesome, now, yeah, it's happening Halloween this year uh, in Graceland. I agree. I don't think it's happening, but let's be positive yeah. right now. Oh let's, yeah, I hope it does. We'll be awesome. we'll try. I mean, I I mean, right. it's it's super unlikely. Whatever. Uh, but and a lot of people were like, "Are you going to do it again?" And I'm like, "No, I'm never doing it again." It was actually a ridiculous <laughs> amount of work. I learned a lot. There were a ton of nuggets in there. A ton of a ton. There of really were. Yeah. I mean. It, everyone really shared and you get to get in bed with Cheryl and Fenn. So, I mean, <laughs> if that isn't reason. To oh yeah. That was, she was so casual. She was just lying there. Yeah, she's like, just lying in her this. bed telling us stories. And I'm like, if you would have told me when I was 20, you know, eventually you're going to, you're going to see Cheryl and Fenn's like bedroom. <laughs> I would have said, no, I don't think so. But right. so we're going to cover the event in issue 14 and, okay. you know, and get some of those nuggets that we did learn but it was it was definitely the greatest thing I ever did for twin peaks i mean like i i, I was i was on a high for a long time after that like it was incredible i mean lucy it was really Kimmy roberts and i did a social distancing video that is i yeah. think absolutely hilarious we'll she put a so link for the whole thing yeah it's up on yeah, youtube through the, the blue rose um youtube account or you can go to the facebook page at the blue rose magazine and and it's up there it doesn't matter where you watch it uh it's three hours and i mean it is a lot of content it, there's no <laughs> there's no downtime yeah it's a lot of cast members it's, it's very cool another uh work that i actually you know is, is not out yet but i wanted to spotlight that i'm really happy exists I, I referenced like that friend that i had when i was really young like 12 years old who went through something that i realized years later i knew how to understand because of laura palmer uh the courtney stallings book that you're uh, about to to publish i'm really excited for that and i think the the the, the topic is is very important and i wanted to just make sure that we talked about that a little bit sure Maybe, uh, I don't it's know, called laura's ghost i love courtney's writing in general courtney is the reason i went to that twin peaks fest in 25 when i said i went for the first time ever i didn't know who courtney was but she messaged me and said hey i'm going to this you should too and I, and i did so awesome all of this is Courtney's fault. <laughs> um, yeah, Courtney has a book called Laura's Ghost, Women Speak About Twin Peaks. It's coming out October 22nd, I think. Um, for, and you can get it at bluerosemag.com or fayettevillemafiapress.com. I've read it, I've, it's done. We're still in design and we're still um, editing it, but it isn't, it's what you think it's gonna be. You know what it, that book is gonna be, but I think readers are going to be in for something. This book is heavy, it is beautiful, it is what Courtney has done. She is, it's probably 30 women who are all talking about mm -hmm. what Laura Palmer means and why and so much about it. I, I wouldn't say it's a book about sexual abuse, but there's a lot 
that undertone goes, you get insight from Cheryl Lee, Grace Zembriski, Jennifer Lynch. Um, it, I, I don't know how Courtney did it. It's beautiful, but it is not Very excited to read it's, it. It's not your average Twin Peaks book. I mean, it is. If I was going to compare it to anything, I'd compare it to Laura's Secret Diary. Like it's that kind of feel. Uh, that, so you, yeah, because you, that I was going to say it's. It seems like a parallel to that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really something. Um, we also have conversations with Mark Frost that David Bushman did where he interviewed Mark Frost 20 times. And if you wanna know what Mark Frost did with Twin Peaks versus what David Lynch, they really talk about that relationship. This isn't a theory of the relationship between Mark and David, this is it. This is all oh, in Mark's yeah. word. Yeah. And, and that I think you can get on Kindle. Yeah, that's right? out now. Yeah, yeah. so that one, yeah, because yeah, that I'm came out in March. Um, yeah, yeah. So that one you can order. It's it's if you're a Twin Peaks fan or a television fan, it's more it's more about writing than anything else. Mark Frost. Yeah, because Mark Frost is way more than just the guy who did. Twin yeah, Peaks. and he shares. So I love Storyville. That's the one for me. Yeah, and he goes through all that, how he wrote it, what you know. There's a chapter on that, what they did. Um, story, great stories about. Um, James Spader and um, cool. I, I got to spend an, an evening and I got sushi with Mark Frost on Sunset Boulevard because of this book. And wait, I, wait, do you know what spot? Uh, I don't. Okay. I can't remember. Big, it was I'm real close to Book guy. Soup. So whatever sushi I restaurant mean, is within walking distance of Book Soup. Was it upstairs in a strip mall? No. Up one flight in the back of a strip mall? No. no. Okay. Because there's a no. place right near there that is, you know. What's the name of it? Uh, oh, my God. Wait, what am I? Uh, how am I doing this? I'm, like, too focused on other things right now. It's it's no, the best. It's Sushi. Uh, it was a pretty boring name, to be honest with you. It, no, it's a super boring name. It's just Sushi something. But it's, like, $200 omakase, and it's the best. Um, I'll just tell him. I'm checking my email because I, you know, you want to know. So this is what happens when someone asks because. Sushi Park. I don't think it was Sushi Park, but I wonder why this didn't. Oh, it's called Sushi Aya. Oh, yeah, I know. Sushi Aya. Okay, cool. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Sushi Aya. Yeah. There we go. I found That's... it. So, ha ha ha. It's, it's, it's cool Let's to know, search. like, what, what my, you know, where Mark Frost. And he's a great guy. Stuff like a that. Great guy. We, we <laughs> yeah, did I'm a sure. comedy bit. We did a comedy video to promote the book. And I think that's up on my, the Blue Rose Instagram. That is so funny. Mark was hilarious. When we were done, he said, I never felt more like Larry David than just that. And so that's me funny. and uh, Mark Frost do a little Larry David. So. Nice, nice. Um, but that's where you cool. can find me. Pretty much bluerosemag.com. If There's you're a, a Twin lot. Peaks fan. It helps. We and the Letterman book, which, which Scott's referenced a couple times, but that came out this year. And um, it's about the, the final years before Letterman, like a real super inside story of, of the inner workings of late night television. And so it's not just Twin Peaks. But <laughs> no, I do a lot more than that. I love television and I love art. Yeah. So, but I mean, Twin Peaks is where my bread and butter comes from. That's for sure. And I'm lucky. That's how we're connected. That. Yeah. 
Well, cool. Well, I feel like we could, we could do, you know, maybe, maybe we should do another one of these in October around um, Courtney's book. I would love to have yeah. her on. And that would be so, great. Cause, Cause those are kinds of topics that like, I, I don't want to do stuff where it's like light, you know, I want it to be focused on the real me. Like, like that's why, you know, like geeking out over these stories, you and I is, is like what I want this to be. So going really going in there about like, yeah, I mean, it's a story of trauma, you know, and, uh, and well, in this book, it's, it's, it's even more than that. It is mm-hmm. beautiful. We'll get you an advanced copy. Like I said, we're still, there's so much material we're trying to, we're going back and forth, Courtney, David Bush, totally. and I saying, you know, cause it's hard. You gotta, you gotta get that tone. This is, like I said, this isn't just a book about Twin Peaks. Like that mm-hmm. is too small. This is, it's, it's. I can't wait to You'll read it. You'll see. I mean, yeah, 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 we'd love to come back. That would be great. Yeah. I'd love it. I enjoyed talking with you, although I believe yeah. we have met before. I think we did. Yeah. <laughs> no, know, I, I, we'll, this, we'll count this our meeting. It's fine. No, but we, we met that crazy, crazy best night ever. Yeah. I remember it now. I don't know why I didn't before. I was like, I think well, it's it just. It could in be the... that you got a picture with Laura Dern that night. It's possible. You know what I mean? That, <laughs> that might have been what stuck with you. What a night. That's could so be. crazy that that like, and those cherry pies, those were so good. <laughs> I had so many of them. <laughs> so, well, thank hey, you so much for thank having you. me. Thanks for the discussion. It was great. And this is awesome. I'm... Yeah, I could rap about this stuff all day. I really appreciate you and all your work. Right. And keeping... I just want people, I don't know, some people might be listening to this. Some people might be seeing it. You have no shirt on. I have no pants on. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go swimming right now in that right. ocean that's right behind me. I and think you should. I'll uh, I'll connect with you in a bit. I want to make sure I get a bunch of links to post in notes and stuff like that. Another thing that I want to start doing is um, I want to create like almost like a marketplace of like all the stuff that all the stuff that we feature, all the stuff that, that people make. Um, I want to really encourage listeners to, to engage with. And yeah, so I want to, I, I would love to talk in yeah. a bit and like get something together. Yeah. Um, I'll send you links. I'll, yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll get it all to you. I know cool. what you need. I know what you want. Awesome. Um, thank you so right, much for this. It was great. Thank you. Thank you for all the work that you do. I really, oh, I, I mean you. it like, like that, like, not, not, not like uh, it's, it's a, uh, it's a cliche, but like, I really mean it. It's something that's so, so, so significant to us. Uh, and we are an us, you know, there are, there is a, a group of people on this earth that really, really care about this thing that you personally, more than anyone else on earth have taken the initiative on. And when I want to tap that vein, you know, that Twin Peaks <laughs> vein, you provide it. You provide that heroin <laughs> for me. And you know, I appreciate I always, that. Uh, thank you. I always <laughs> wanted to be a drug dealer. Yes. But I just didn't have the skills. So now <laughs> I, I'm getting to you be the drug your, dealer I wanted to be. You found your medium. You know, you yeah, found- <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, cool. It's, it's great to go deep. And uh, let's do it again for the book. Sincerely. Definitely. I like Amen. it. We'll see you next time. Stay safe. And lots of love. All right. Peace.